Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear in this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast. If you're already doing so, thank you very much and tell your friends to do so as well. Besides nhte.net, you can also find the show on iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts, as well as on Spotify and lots and lots of other podcast platforms. There are links to Now Hear This Entertainment on at least a half dozen podcast apps at nhte.net. The show is on a whole bunch more, though, so don't worry if you don't see your favorite on there. Just look for this show almost anywhere that you get podcasts. Joining me today on location from the Winter Nam Show in Anaheim, California, my guests make up an indie rock band that hails from Black Hills, South Dakota. They played 120 dates last year, including headlining at Sturgis, They've opened for the likes of Third Eye Blind, Uncle Cracker, and Puddle of Mud. They have amassed more than a half million streams on Spotify alone and had their album chart on the iTunes Rock Charts. You've been hearing a song of theirs called Lights On. It's my pleasure to welcome to now hear this entertainment, Judd Hoos. Thanks for having us. Hi. <laughs> Hi, guys. Thanks. Thanks very much for talking to me today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Let's start by having you tell the listeners about the song of yours that we were just playing called Lights On, especially since I was talking and the listeners couldn't hear the lyrics. That's right. Uh, I actually wrote that song here at NAMM three years ago. Wow. Uh, I was uh, missing my girlfriend, and she's a barista. And uh, in the morning, you know, she has the lights on. And, you know, I'm a musician. I I sleep in pretty late. So, (laughs) But uh, the song was kind of about how the lights were on and uh but it kind of was a reverse role um and it was the first song where i wrote like more vulnerable lyrics than i'd ever had before and i remember i sent them to andy and he was like man these are some of the best you've ever written man and so we knew we were onto something when uh after i wrote that and uh it just kind of came together and it's one of our favorite songs to play live um just with the great pop and uh dance vibes what changed what made you decide to make yourself more vulnerable and to open up like that um i think we were getting a chance uh at this point in the band to play more originals and uh i wanted to showcase more of uh how we really were and give us more character so it was kind of a case of well as long as we're going to go down this road, then I might as well go all in, so to speak. And Absolutely. Not just write for the sake of writing, but say, like, all right, well, then let's show people who we really are. That's right. Yeah, wow. exactly. Wow, I like it. Thank you. Listeners, by the way, hopefully you've been with me for a while, and I thank you for that. We're into February now, so I shouldn't have to repeat myself, but... I do have a Patreon that was overhauled at the beginning of 2020 that the guys and I are going to go and talk on after we're done with this podcast interview that you can access only through Patreon, the exclusive ad-free content. It's just five bucks a month, and I've been doing that since the episode that came out on Christmas Day. So what you do is go to the show website, nhte.net, hit the orange-colored support us on Patreon button. You'll get access and more details So like I say, myself and Judd Hoos and the previous seven NHTE episodes, there's lots of bonus content up there already. 
Before we get down to everything that is Judd Who's, introduce yourselves and your role in the band. My name's Andy Young, and I play guitar. I am Chris Hornick, and I play bass. Tyler Bills, vocalist and guitar. I'm Shane Funk, and I play drums. And listeners, so you know, Tyler was the one that was answering the first question about the song that we played at the beginning. Just talk about how the four of you came to be as a band, and of course, with a unique band name like Judd Who's, I also want to hear somebody say where the band name came from. <laughs> uh, this is Shane again. I'll, I'll kind of start with uh, the history of the band. We started it... Um, when we, when we first started the band, we had a little bit of an issue with the name, the previous name, because of trademark issues. So we named the band Judd Hoos uh, after a friend of ours in, in college. And we called him up and asked him if we, we thought it was a cool sounding name. We asked him if we could use it. He said, yeah. Wow. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if he still loves it, but <laughs> it's changed his, because uh, he is from the same area, you know, within about a 500 mile area of where we live. So he hears about it all the time. So that was... That was kind of the beginning of, uh, of the band Judd Hoos. But how did the four of you come to know each other and form the band, and, and I guess when, too? Uh, Chris and I were the, are the original members of the band, and we started the band in uh, 2005, 2006, um, and primarily you know, did cover material at that point. Um, our singer at the time decided to to leave Judd Hoos and pursue some other interests. And so then we met uh, Tyler Bills, our singer and guitarist, and his brother. They both joined the band in, what year was that? About five years ago, yeah. And so from then, we've kind of morphed into, uh, you, know, so, you know, slowly started to take over and do original stuff, and now that's become our primary focus. So it sounds like when the two of you first started, that even back then it was called Judd Who's, yes? Yeah, from the very beginning we were Judd Who's. So when you started to find new guys, uh, and for your benefit, the four of you, we have a lot of listeners to this show who are up-and-comers themselves that are listening every week to learn from me and my guests. So if there is a group that's going through some changes, I don't know if you can give a recommendation, but I guess at least in your case, how did you go about finding new members for the band? Um, You can... We see lots of bands, they put out ads and things like that. We always think that's a horrible way of going about it um, or posting on social media. Oh, we need a new so-and-so, like keyboard player or whatever. We, we knew Tyler um, and we knew Andy. Um, Andy was in the band a decade ago. So like we've been together for a long time and we knew their character. I think that's the, the number one thing. You know, These are people you're going to spend your life with. Um, and we knew they were good. I mean, those are the only two criteria you really need is their ability to conform to your band. But especially in Tyler's case, we knew we wanted a really good singer. We wanted someone who was, we were seeking singers, like a real vocalist. So why is it a bad idea to um, put out an ad and or to put on Facebook, hey, does anybody know of a guitar player? We're looking for a new singer or we, whatever. In our in our experience it just it looks bad it's like you look a little des i think you look a little desperate uh, and okay. um you just don't usually find the right people like it, i it seems like word of mouth is usually the best way you usually already know um like we were it's funny we were when we were looking for a singer we we're like you know we we really want to get someone like tyler like if we could just get someone <laughs> just like tyler that would be perfect it's like well, why don't we get tyler <laughs> 
uh, we're also in a situation where we we were pretty well established at that point. So I suppose if you know, I wouldn't say if you were if you were starting off as the band, you know, you you wouldn't want to avoid advertising for for positions. But we'd been playing a few years, and we had a management company, and we were we were with a management company, okay. so we had the luxury of having a pretty good network. And I I would just suggest if you are you know every time you're playing, I mean you, you're going to have opening bands, you're gonna you're gonna be around bands that play shows with you you can always look at those guys and go hey you know something you know you kind of keep them in the back of your mind in case you needed to fill a position and i think that's maybe not necessarily what we did because tyler's band was on the same management with us but but when the opportunity was there we're like he's the ideal guy and we knew a lot about him but i guess i would say you still would probably need to advertise if you didn't have that network built but it is i've done we've done it both ways and that's a process where you have to be a you know, ready to go through and tell a lot of people no and just and have a lot of numbers, you know, get, get 25, 30 people to audition. For, for once, you, hit, you get to be in the position of telling people no instead of hearing no. Well, <laughs> it's not very fun, though. I, I would say you got to, you know, I would, I would say maybe uh, practice and be very, you're really, you're really dealing with people's, um, their insecurities and it's it's tough it's tough to tell somebody no when when they're not ready for the position you have for yeah them. yeah i'm sure so are you all from south dakota originally I, this is by the way this is episode number 314 and i think this is the first out of 314 that there's been a guest from south dakota oh my gosh that's so cool <laughs> well I'm, we're proud to represent um we uh chris and i actually grew up in colorado uh we didn't know each other but we lived like 20 miles away um, wow, probably yeah. and so and then we it was such a small world and we ended up in the black hills together and um uh, andy's a, a south dakota boy and uh shane is a nebraska boy but we all are kind of midwest kids and um are just proud to represent the black hills because it's like you said it's not very well known um but it's a beautiful area and uh yeah, yeah, Mount Rushmore, all that good stuff. So. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, listeners, I do have to make sure that I thank Tascam for the ability to record here at the NAM show. I'm using the Tascam DR44WL handheld recorder, although we've got external microphones XLR'd into it just because I feel like you have better control over the audio. There's certainly built-in mics on the top of it, which is great if you have a song idea, something that you just want to get down quickly. It's a good device to have in your tool belt. And we've got Tascam TM60 microphones specifically what we're using. I'm wearing my Tascam headphones and upstairs at the Tascam booth itself. Oh, my gosh. That's like a playground there for hobbyists, for indie artists, for professional touring musicians. And you can see all of this because I know you're listening well after the fact and can't get to the NAM show. But on their website, Tascam.com, you can look at the full line of recording solutions that they have. They've been in business for more than 45 years so get on TASCAM.com and then find a dealer. So guys, obviously I mentioned in the show about how active you've been with performing live. So being based in South Dakota is one thing, but you're definitely not limited to only playing there. You had 120 dates booked in 2019, which included a 10-state tour. It reminds me of episode 279 with singer-songwriter-guitar player Frankie Ray. She was booking like almost 30 dates a month. Uh, listeners, if you never heard that one, I'll put a link to it on the episode page for Judd Who's at nhte.net, and you can go back and listen to my conversation with Frankie. But the 10 state tour, you headlined at Sturgis. Just talk about those experiences. That, that had to be t- tremendous. 
Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this for about 10 years now in the band, and touring, if you're a band and you're not touring, are you really a band, you know? Mm. It's like you playing live is the most important thing you can do. It's it's your best opportunity to share your music and your and your craft with, you know, fans and potential new fans, so it's... It's kind of the lifeblood of what we're trying to do. But when you say if you're a band and you're not touring, are you are you really a band? What if a band is, I'll say, so I live in Tampa, and Florida is an enormous state. So, what if you're just touring all around Florida? Is it that's good, but you really should be getting out even more? Or no, because our geography kind of dictates that we need to hit ten states. You know, in those ten states, the population is probably equal to about a 200 mile radius of where we're standing right now you know <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's you know it's kind of out of necessity but there's people everywhere across the country that are you know that want to have good art and have good music so um you know we're just happy to be able to facilitate that and with where we live well a lot of people have come on the show and said that getting out and touring and expanding the radius with which you perform live is great, but you still have to start building. A, and they're they're already starting to nod their heads. So, so you you agree with that? Absolutely. And and we don't totally have a, a hometown that we get to go to, but we have a home state that we get to kind of travel around. So we, you know, we we get to travel all over South Dakota, and it, it kind of feels like home no matter where we go. I remember last year, in almost this very exact same spot, I was interviewing Paralandra. And they were kind of saying the same thing, but they were saying that they're careful. And it sounds like you're saying the same thing, that they're careful that to go out and play in a variety of different locations, different cities, different states, they always make sure that they keep coming back and don't forget about the fan base that they have in their local market. It sounds like Judd Hoos does the same thing. Yeah, there's a lot of strategic planning when it comes to where we play. Uh, You definitely don't want to ignore markets for very long because... You want people to remember you. Yet, at the same time, in our home base and where we're playing regularly, where we've, we've played the longest, we definitely protect those. We want to get there once, twice, maybe three times a year, depending on the size of the market. But we, we spend a little bit of our time planning, okay, where do we want to go? Do we want to take a chance on, a, on this city? You know, Then we'll just go out there and try to cultivate a new place, whether it's just getting into a brand new club or, or opening up for another band. Uh, we try to we just plan that because we only have so many dates that are available, and we just kind of want to, you know, if we can build a new market, you know, two or three new markets in uh, in a season, that's good for us. Talk about the the line that you must probably walk between when you say we're going to test out someplace new. It's a little risky, but it's also got to be exciting to say, well, we don't know how it's going to go, but wow, a new venue we've never played at before, or maybe a new city we've never played in before. At the same time, knowing that. You're so hoping that it goes well. Uh, we love it. I, I think I'm speaking for all the guys. When we get to take our show into a brand new place, um, it's really fun. I mean, it, it ends up being uh, they don't know all the things we're throwing at them, and we're we're different than a lot of bands, so it feels good to uh, to show them all our stuff, you know. So for the benefit of the listeners that are just getting introduced to Judd Who's, talk about some of that stuff. How, yeah, I just, just want to piggyback on that real quick because it, it's kind of fun to go into new places because they don't know your tricks yet, you know. So they're, they're seeing it for the first time, and it feels like old hat to us. But when, when you see people experience it for the first time, it kind of uh, reinvigorates what it is that we're doing. Or at least so without giving anything away, just, you know, give an idea of what the live Judd Who's show looks like so people understand 
Um, I mean, we're we're a rock band fundamentally. You know, we're guitars. You know, big guitars, but we're writing sensible pop songs. You know, that that's what it feels like we're trying to achieve anyway. So um, there's just a lot of dynamic, a lot of big guitars and and guitar solos, and then we can go into real glossy pop vocals at some different times, and we just kind of like to keep keep people guessing a little bit. Cool, cool. I like it. I like it. In 2017, June specifically, you released an album called Music in the Dark. It includes a song that was played at the beginning of the show, Lights On. Just talk about creating that album. I guess where you record, do, do you do everything yourselves? Yeah, I'll, I'll start this and I'll pass it around because I think everybody has something to say about the experience. But um, Lights On was the last track on our five-track uh, EP that came out back in June. And uh, it was a really, really great experience. We just rented a cabin um, about 30 miles from Mount Rushmore, just there's no cell service. We were totally isolated, and we flew up a producer that uh, we became pretty close with uh, named Jay Hall from Nashville and his engineer, Nick. And we just spent a week in a cabin with no distractions. Um, just we had the songs. We, we knew the arrangements. And we just we were able to just kind of throw the paint up on the canvas and, and so the songs were already done. You were going to this cabin to record. Yes, yeah, yeah. We we had been writing the show. The songs have been in the show for for some time, and and we felt really confident with this is what we wanted to come out with at that time. And uh, then it's it's fun to work with somebody like Jay who uh, is so good at what he does, and he can make anything you do just that much better. So it was a really great experience. So how does a band in South Dakota have a guy that, or I think he's a two guys from Nashville that you bring all the way? How did you how did you come to meet um, him or them? We met them through working with other bands that we we've, we've known. So that was a pretty that I mean that was a great experience for us getting to work with a producer. We're we're used to doing. We kind of have a saying like we're going to take over the world ourselves. We always just we we know no one else is going to work as hard as us. Um, our previous album, Music in the Dark, like I remember recording the bass part in Andy's living room. You know, everything was home studio or on the road, like recording vocals, uh, you know, in hotel rooms, like setting up, we set up a bed once vertically in a hotel room wow. to make a little booth. Wow. Like, uh, recording ba- I remember recording bass parts on stages, like right before shows. Like we were doing everything, wow. um, absolutely everything our- ourselves. What's great about working with a producer and a en- separate engineer is we had outside perspective, and you can kind of let go and just worry about performing. I like that. I like that. But you said something before about you were already doing the songs in your live shows. It was just a matter of getting them recorded. Do you do that because you want to see what the crowd response is and see see if, you know, is there anything we need to change or is it, boy, no one's responding to this song or is it, nope, we we already knew we were going to record them and who cares how the crowd reacts? Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, uh, playing them live is the ultimate testing ground and it's kind of become part of our formula for writing um, because you can, since we do play so often and we get in front of so many people, we get the opportunity to uh test out the the new originals and uh it's so much fun to see the reaction and it you know a lot of the times I'll be singing a song and I look down to the front row and someone I've never seen before 
but they're singing along and I know that they've never heard this song, but they think they know the song <laughs> and they're just, you know, like they're making up words and dancing and, and that's, that's what it's all about. Wow. So. Wow. Yeah. And the wheels are turning as I'm listening to you guys talk about doing this and I'm going, you know, how exactly do you gauge whether the audience is really liking the song or not? And I guess that's a, a perfect example right there. Definitely. Definitely. And, uh, you know, more recently, uh, I think we, uh, are writing more dance songs um, because it's part of the show and and the high energy um, parts of the show. Um, I mean, we do we do bring it down and and uh, get intimate w- with with the crowd. But uh, for the most part, it's it's fun to write those songs that are going to make people move and and dance. So, is there a formula? Let's play the song X amount of times, and let's have a band meeting after the show or the day after the show to talk about the audience response, or is it just kind of you know <laughs> we can just kind of tell when we're up there? Yeah, we we can just kind of tell, and and you know maybe maybe we take a break for a few weeks on that song we don't we don't put it in the set list and maybe we we bring it back into the show and and it does really well it's it's just kind of a uh a test yeah you just keep trying yeah and i think what what i had in mind when i asked that was somebody saying i don't know guys i just don't think people are responding to insert song title here and the rest of y'all saying well we've only played it three times you know (laughs) we we can't you can't go off of three we got to do it seven more times and maybe after 10 we'll kind of have a better feeling for if people are liking it absolutely or not. yep definitely well you must have done something right with that release because listeners check this out that album charted on the itunes rock chart and the song called breathed in charted at number 23 on their new rock releases that's fantastic thank you this producer what did you know about him when when you brought him in in terms of saying you know because you talked about recording in a hotel room or recording on stage, and this is someone that's going to bring an outside perspective. And did you kind of see that? Like, I think this is going to really up our game. And, and maybe you can't predict, you know, results like that, of, of charting like that. But is that kind of what you envision, that this is somebody who can hopefully take our game to the next level? Yeah, we were familiar with, with Jay just because he had worked with some good friends of ours. Um, and we heard what... what the product we heard what he what he brought to the table and we we got to meet him a little you know a couple of different times have conversations with him he's a um he's extremely uh motivated he's a fun guy to work with he's made uh he makes the whole process fun but ultimately we knew he was going to be a good contributor and he's going to bring a perspective to our our songs you know he's going to talk to us and, and just bring the best out and you know we knew that just from talking to some really trusted friends and once you meet Jay, the first time you meet him, he's a he's a very intense person, intense in a good way, fun and uh, really dedicated to his craft. Occasionally on this show, I'll pull out an expression where I say that I think that if I have a certain question, that there's probably a listener out there that does as well. So when you talk about going to this cabin and recording there, this is a very specific question, but logistically, how does that work? Like. Where does all the equipment come from? How do you know that there's a cabin available? How do you know that you're okay to go and quote unquote play loud music in there for I think you said six days? Um, Andy lined up the cabin, but I believe the owners of the cabins were artists as well, and they were actually really excited about a band coming in recording. Um, I remember Jay and his engineer Nick just came out with an interface and laptops, and besides that, we just um, from people we know and our own gear, we own quite a bit of gear and 
we just scrounged up microphones and guitars and guitar amps and hauled it up there in a pickup. And it was a great experience. I mean, there was no cell phone service, so it was very, very unique. Wow. Wow. And that was for six days. Yes. Yeah, I think six days. Wow. Wow. That, that sounds like an also... A good recording experience, like you see, there's no distractions, but it sounds like it's also, I mean, the four of you seem like you're very close, but it seems like it's also just a nice bonding experience, kind of like a, a little retreat, a band retreat. Yeah, we want to do it again. That's kind of our goal right now is to, we'll either go down to Nashville or bring him up, but we're, we for sure want to record again soon. So at what point did Judd Who's begin to start getting gigs opening for the likes of, I was saying some of these in the intro, Third Eye Blind, Sister Hazel, Uncle Cracker, Puddle of Mud, Three Days Grace. Um, at what point did you start getting those, and you know where and how? Like, how did that all come to be? Um, we're always trying to get in those positions. You know, you're always putting your name out there and and uh, talking with different promoters. Um, at a certain point, we just started getting more calls. We were starting to establish ourselves with with the original material that was working and. And that's that's always something these promoters are looking at. They also want to add a drawing card to a national or a, an, an act that's coming in from out of the area. So um, we always we we would do a few here and there, but in the last in the last year, um, we're getting contacted, you know, especially in areas that we have a really good draw in that market to open up for somebody that's coming in. Uh, but it is it's something you got to really go out and work at. It's definitely not, especially in the last for all bands. I'm sure this isn't the newsflash but it's getting more difficult to get on those kind of exposure type stages and so i would say my advice would be you know hone your your original you know 45 to 60 minute set make it really powerful and uh, then just get your name out there with those promoters and with those venues and you know you're doing something right when they're calling you instead of you calling them to get those opening slots yeah that happens but i'll <laughs> definitely say this we 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 you know we look for those opportunities as well. We're going to call, even if we do get rejected, we're going to, we put our name in the hat for all kinds of stuff too. I I would say you have to do that, but it's nice. It's nice to have them come to you. Sure. Sure. On episode 310, uh, Joey Stuckey talked about opening for Smash Mouth. Um, I mentioned Mudbone, the episode that came out on Christmas day. He talked about opening for Charlie Daniels, just any kind of storytelling that that y'all want to do any memories from, and it could be someone that I didn't even name off, but I gave off maybe about half a dozen there. Any any highlights, any cool memories from, from one of those shows? I'll pass the mic around here in a sec, but I, I, from my standpoint, there's always a really cool memory because it's, you know, we're all fan. Every band we've ever opened for, we're, we're fans for. We opened for a wide variety. Some are more pop, some are rock, but uh, I know we opened up for Third Eye Blind last year out in the middle of nowhere in, the, in uh, at a festival in Nebraska, and the, and the green room was a, just a farmhouse. And so we're in we're in the first bedroom on the first floor, and then we see the guys from Third Eye Blind come in, and it's like, oh yeah, there they are, you know, in this farmhouse, <laughs> and literally 50 miles from the nearest hotel. And uh, oh for me, that was kind of a fun event. I love that band. So well, that yeah, especially it. talking about being in a farmhouse, you're probably thinking like, well, we're in here, but they're probably someplace really awesome. And they come walking in, you're like, well, <laughs> well, wait, you guys are here too? <laughs> well, to clarify, though, it was, it was a, you know, it was, it was unique, but they had like a, well, I wouldn't call it catering. They just brought in, they cooked food at the house for everybody and had, it was just, it was a really cool experience, but uh, very memorable because of the circumstances. I'll just talk about uh, during the rally in Sturgis uh, this past summer, we opened for um, the Eagles of Death Metal. 
and you know we're jumping ship here from third eye blind to eagles of death metal but <laughs> but uh just i was backstage when they were just about to go on and it felt like it was like broadway theater almost like they just they showed up in their full costumes and and it was just a really it was like a starstruck moment where i didn't think i was going to be that way but i saw him i was like wow this is this is rock and roll like this is awesome <laughs> Now, just talk about that list that I read off. Third Eye Blind, Sister Hazel, Uncle Cracker, Puddle of Mud, and Three Days Grace. There's five of them. So out of those five, and the, where I'm going with this is a lesson, again, to those that are listening that are up-and-comers themselves, because what I don't want those up-and-comers to think is that if you get on an opening bill for something like that, that you're definitely going to meet the headliner. Absolutely and that, not. You know, and, and, oh, who knows where that might go. And so out of those five, did you meet all five, four to five, three to five? We've met two, most one? of them. But as an opener, if I could give any advice to, to up-and-coming musicians is be a support act. I and mean, by that, I mean be supportive and don't, don't go out of your way to try to get the attention of the headliner. You know, you, you're there to support the show and make the show be as best as possible. And if they're gracious enough to come up and talk to you and, and want to meet you, you know, that's that's awesome on them. But uh, but otherwise, you know, you're just there to make sure the show goes well and you put on a good show and you're not a distraction for the promoter or the headliner. But you're also there to hopefully gain some new fans from their audience, yes? Absolutely. And that's that's why you're you're doing it. So, you know, you feel like you have the, the right songs and the right show that um, can captivate that crowd. And is it a foregone conclusion that, and I know you can only speak for your own band, that when you do those kind of opening slots that you'll get to go and staff your own merch table, that way people can come and meet you personally? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something you want to work with the promoter in advance and just make sure you line out those advance details before the show. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a big point of ours, always to you know make sure that we're able to position our merch in the way we want to. But is there ever a chance where they might say to you, no, guys, sorry, you don't get to have a merch table? I don't know if I've experienced it, but I wouldn't be surprised if I experienced it. You know, it's, every circumstance, every show is different. You just got to be adaptable and resilient. And so, so that even that is good advice. Know that everyone is different. Absolutely, and that you can't tell them. Oh, well, when we open for so and so, they let us do it. Well, guess what? <laughs> this one's different. Even yeah. like this show we're about to do tomorrow, it's it's totally different than all the other shows. We we're we're basically a traveling production company. That's also a band. You know, we f- we travel with a full PA and concert lighting production. And wow. I flew out here with a guitar, and I'm halfway terrified to get on stage <laughs> tomorrow because I don't know what's going to happen. But it's going to be great. I'm excited. So then, getting back to my earlier question of you know, telling the listeners if they went to see Judd Who's Live, like, what would that look like? It sounds like you're saying, like, it's a full stage production. There's lights. There's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. One thing that's always been the same since the beginning of the band, um, even though we've had a few member changes, um, we're a rock show. We are at, we, we all believe in, like, the show has to be, you know, we want good lighting. We want good production. Um, we've been in we've had those experiences where you show up and you have to like use a house PA and you sound horrible. The audience doesn't know that the PA sounds bad. They just think the band is bad. And we, we want to control our own destiny as much as possible. So in those situations, do you ever go in someplace where they say we have our own and you say, if it's all the same, we'd rather just use ours. We say that very kindly. (laughs) We've done that. We've said like, Hey, would it be okay? And if they say no, you just have to, like Andy was talking about before, 
it's their it's their room it's their you know venue they make the shots so you just go in and you make the best of it you know you bring your sound guy and you you make the most of every situation okay until you said you bring your sound guy is going to say and you make sure you're very 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 nice to the sound engineer because yeah. he's going to make or break your show oh yeah we um yeah we even like went out of our way yesterday and we're trying to meet the house sound guy and like be nice with him at NAM. you know just be friendly and all these if you're out of your element or out of your environment and working with new people if you if you're kind to them it's amazing what that'll do because they just want to put on a good show too for the most part yeah yeah i mean it's it's them going to work and they don't nobody wants to have a bad day at work so you might as well make his life easier and he'll do the same for you yeah, absolutely <laughs> I'm joined today live at the Winter Nam Show in Anaheim, California by the band Judd Who's. Check them out at juddhoos.com. You can look at the title of this episode on your listening device to get the proper spelling of the band's name. Plus, I will also put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land on their website, you'll find links to engage with them on social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Plus, there are links on their website as well for their original music. You can obviously follow the band on Spotify, but it's better to support them by purchasing downloads of their music from the likes of Apple Music, which is iTunes, or get it from Amazon. Keep up with the band online also so you can see where and when you can go see them perform live. As you've heard them say, they do do an awful, awful lot of live shows. I mentioned earlier about the Patreon for this show. Check out the bonus audio ad-free by going to the show website, nhte.net, and hit the orange-colored Support Us on Patreon button. It's only 5 bucks a month. And don't forget that another way you can support this show is through your regular everyday purchases on Amazon. That's no extra cost to you, so you're able to support NHTE without taking extra money out of your pocket. Just go to the show website, nhte.net, scroll down to the tall Amazon banner, and then once you click their banner, it will open up their shopping app if you're on your phone, or it'll open their website if you're on your computer. Either way, at the end of the transaction, they will kick back a small percentage of the sale to me, which helps with the expenses that I have for putting out a new episode of this show every week, and I don't even see what you purchased from them. So thank you for your support of the show through the exclusive ad-free bonus audio on Patreon or by starting your online shopping through my Amazon banner. Let's talk about the newly released EP, We Were Young, that's the one that was recorded in the cabin, yes? Yes. Because do I have my dates wrong? I had mentioned before June 2017. That was uh, Music in the Dark. That was Music in the Dark. That was our DIY. That was the one we did ourselves. Yeah, Music in the Dark we did ourselves. But the EP we had, we worked with Jay Hall. And so where are you right now in terms of is there more new music that's still on the way? Absolutely. We have 13 new songs we're ready to record. Wow. Um, we actually were wow. on the phone with Jay last week um, uh, in our rehearsal space. Um, it's always really fun to talk to Jay. He's very, he gets you motivated. And we were talking to him about uh, going down to his studio in Nashville and recording our, our next project. So 13 songs. Who does the writing in the band and is it, Maybe one person does lyrics, one person does the melody. It's maybe a combination. What what does all that look like? Uh, Andy and I do a lot of the songwriting, and uh, it's we've gotten it kind of down to a formula where we send each other ideas, and you know, voice voice memos are our best friend, and we uh, and I joke around that 
I've heard Andy sing probably more than anybody else. <laughs> um, and it's, it's kind of good blackmail. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and, and it's, we take it from there and we kind of send out, you know, we build the songs together and then we send them to the rest of the guys and we get together in a room and, and kind of hammer it out. Uh, and it, it works really well. And then, like I said earlier, we take that to the live show and, uh, the ultimate proving ground, um, but it's yeah, it's really fun to to create with these guys, and and when you do get in those rehearsal studios, you notice like everyone's writing their own part, and and that's where like the magic happens. And that's what I was going to ask you: is that for you and Andy to do the heavy lifting when the other two guys get it? Is there, hey, this is not in stone. This is just kind of the foundation is there, and and y'all can bring to it whatever you want. I I I feel that way. I mean, I I like to come up with the ideas, and you know, the, the band's not called Andy Young. You know, it, it's Judd Hoos because we're kind of four four different parts with four different influences, and that's the reason we sound the way we do, and and the way the songs are the way they are is just because it's not one person kind of bulldozing everybody else. You know, it's kind of a open discussion. Well, and it sounds like there is opportunities to create because. They receive it, they listen to it, they kind of think of what they might do themselves, then you kind of get together, do it together, you get on stage, there's lots of opportunities to really get it polished. So now I'm kind of seeing the path that the song takes before it does finally get recorded, and everybody's happy with it then, and and their own parts. Absolutely. So let's talk about being here at NAMM. Listeners, we're recording this the day before Judd Hoos is going to be performing. It sounds to me like this will be the first time that the band has performed at NAMM. Yep, first time performing. Uh, but for all of you, is this? I know you said it's not your first time here, Andy. But for the rest of you, is your first time at Nam? Period or no? Yeah, I was lucky enough to come here twice in college and got to experience as a student. You know, taking it in as a as a music business student, um, and now uh, really, really excited and and. Uh, grateful to be able to attend it as a performer this year and so we're on day three when did y'all arrive and and what have you been doing what we got here wednesday um and this is my first time at nam i've been checking out a ton of classes um Ah. um, the first or thursday i went to five i think and the next day i only went to one i think i was a little got a little overwhelmed and (laughs) i remember the first day i kind of like we're like oh we're all gonna stay together and then i kind of lost it and like just ran off to like a bunch of bass gear and effects and like i just couldn't help myself and the others have is this your first time as well this this will be my third year and and like chris said i mean i know my first year i was like overwhelmed and taking trying to see everything second year was like okay i planned everything classes booths i'm gonna you know schedule and it was kind of stressful and so this year i went into it being like i'm just gonna be spontaneous and float around and it was really exciting that my bandmates were going to be here with me and and be able to see how they reacted to just this amazing you know few days here um but uh yeah i i got to come here with chesbro music and teton guitars and uh it's just the best of both worlds it's been awesome yeah i did want to ask if there were any companies that you're aligned with that any of you wanted to give a shout out to or or that you're making sure you're going out of your way to visit (laughs) i mean uh yeah uh, teton guitars chesbro music and um but otherwise you know uh not anybody right now we are uh 
currently looking for uh, other in endorsements and things like that. But um, yeah, that's why we're here. This is my first year here, um, and similarly to uh, the other guys, the first day is just like sensory overload, and went to a lot of classes. And now I think today's the plan is just to wander around, split up, and just go geek out on the areas that we like to like i'm gonna go spend some time in the drum world area over there and <laughs> just uh have some fun listeners if you've been listening to this show long enough you know that i always talk about the access vegas newsletter which i get in my email inbox and i even talk about the editor who is kind enough to correspond with me from time to time and i do mention that he will write to you as well that's one of the features if you sign up for Access Vegas, that he will answer your questions. He posts it publicly so that everyone else can benefit from the information that he's sharing with people that run into him. And I mentioned on a recent episode that all these times that I've been talking about Access Vegas, I really never talked about the fact that they do have a 60-day money-back guarantee, which he has said no one's really going to even need that anyways because in 2019 alone, less than 10 people asked for their money back. So make sure you are aware that that's there, but know that you're probably not going to need it and know that you're going to need 60 days to look through all the information that they have anyways, because as you hear me say all the time, Access Vegas is jam-packed with information. I spoke at NAM yesterday. I'm speaking again tomorrow, and then I have a speaking engagement at the beginning of April, which will be in Las Vegas. So you know that I'm really, really reading those issues very in-depth right now and trying to get all the information that I need for that upcoming trip. So even if you don't have a trip to Vegas planned anytime soon, you're going to want to stay up with it just because that city is always changing. There's always new things going on, and they have tons of information, not to mention that you get access to their archives. So go to nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo, and when you sign up, make sure you put in the code BRUCE to get $5 off. And then get ready for your inbox to receive Access Vegas and to spend way more time than you plan to in front of your reading device, your phone, your laptop, your tablet, whatever, reading all the information they have. Go to nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo, and put in the code BRUCE at sign up to get $5 off. So, guys, what are we looking at? You've got the, the 13 songs. What are we looking at in terms of a timetable? When might that album come out? Um, we like uh, Chris mentioned. We we had a conference call with with Jay, the producer Jay Hall, last week, and we're talking about early May, going out and recording about half of those songs in Nashville. Uh, then we're going to tour this summer, and then try to get back in there. We're thinking like October, maybe. Um, and, and explain the reason for doing half. If you're going to travel all the way to Nashville, why wouldn't you just do it all at once? Uh, well, we're probably going to do all the drums while at once, but we we've only got about a week to spend out there, so we'll try to do as much as we can. If we get if we get half, we'll probably be lucky at that point. And the uh, that's just the, that's the way the window of time. We don't have a month to spend out there or three weeks even. So I think we're talking like what a week, ten days. We'll try to see how much we can get done. So would it be safe to say that the album might be out by the end of the calendar year? I'd like to think so. <laughs> uh, well, and the what we really like to do is, uh, you know, release singles, uh, and more often, uh, as as keep promoting and releasing music. Uh, so we're constantly putting out content, and then after you know we release these singles. You know, you know, farther down the road, we re release the whole album, but we want to build it up to that. And uh, we have so many 
great songs it's going to be hard to choose what we release first and and uh what songs make the album and stuff like that um but i uh i'm really excited to see uh how we're do this and you know in today's day and age with spotify and and pe- people can get music instantly everywhere uh i feel like it, you have to put music out as often as you can to compete and and be relevant well, coincidentally, we're going to close today with another song of yours, one called We Were Young, which has had a lot of streams on Spotify. Before we head over and record the exclusive bonus content for Patreon, tell the listeners all about the song We Were Young. So I think it was about two years ago, my mother-in-law bought me a three-quarter size acoustic guitar, and the guitar riff for We Were Young was just like the first thing that kind of came out of that. I just sat down with it, and I had that little melody in my head and, and hammered it out, so... That, that's kind of how the melody came to be. Um, but uh, the song, lyrically, is just kind of the story of me meeting my now wife um, when we were in high school and just kind of revisiting growing up and and uh, just meet, meeting each other when we were young. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Guys, this has been great. Thanks for making time to be here. It was nice to meet you all, and yeah, best of luck you so with much. your show tomorrow here at NAMM. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Listeners, that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to Tyler, Shane, Chris, and Andy of Judd Who's. Be sure to head over to juddwhos.com. As I said before, you can look at the title of this episode on your listening device to get the proper spelling of the band's name, although I will put a link to it from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. And then once you land on juddwhos.com, you can see all the social media platforms that they are on so you can engage with them. Be sure to like their Facebook page, follow them on Twitter and Instagram, subscribe to their YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell them you heard their music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Remember that while you can follow them on Spotify, the better way to support the band is by purchasing their music. You can do it right from their website, or you'll see links on judhoos.com for iTunes and Amazon. Remember also that you want to keep up with them online, not only for news about new music that they release, but also where and when you can go see them perform live. Don't forget that the band and I will have some extra conversation over in the bonus content that's only available exclusively through Patreon. There's already similar audio up there already from each of the last month and a half of guests. It's only 5 bucks a month, and it's ad-free, and that is the only place you can get it. Go to the show website, nhte.net, hit the orange-colored Support Us on Patreon button, and that will take you to where you can gain access to that exclusive content. Remember also about scrolling down on nhte.net to the tall Amazon banner to start all of your shopping through them that way so that they can kick back a small percentage of the sale to help me with all the expenses I have for doing this show every week for what will be six years as of next week. For now, that will do it for episode 314. Thanks ever so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from the band Judd Who's. This is the one they just talked about. It's called We Were Young. We will.